Welcome to Mental Break It Down, a podcast for therapists and the therapy curious, where we dig into all things mental health and mental health adjacent. We're so happy you're here. Let's jump in. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Mental Break It Down. I'm Sam. And I'm Sonia. And we're here today with our friend and colleague, Haley Castillo. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> Welcome. We're so excited to have you here today. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. And we're going to be talking about financial therapy. That's right. Exciting. Do you want to introduce yourself? Sure. So I'm Haley Castillo. I am a licensed clinical social work associate and a certified financial therapist. And that's what I do. I do financial therapy. And we're going to talk about what that actually means. So kind of a big, broad overview. What is financial therapy? Sure. So financial therapy is a specialized area of therapy, much like other specialized areas of therapy like grief therapy, immigration therapy, sex therapy, couples therapy that focuses on helping folks with their emotions and psychology around money. Okay. I'm just going to say it. On your Instagram, you've talked about the relationship with money. So is yes. it fair to say that you work on the relationship with money. Yes. Okay. That's how that's my take on financial therapy. Mm-hmm. I come from a very relational place. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I love calling it your relationship with money. Yeah. Just like you have a relationship with almost anything else. Yes. And what does a relationship with money look like? Mm-hmm. Or can it look like? Sure. Well, I actually find that it typically mirrors other relationships in your life a lot of times. So if you have had a complicated relationship with your parents or if you've had a complicated relationship to something more abstract like power, it can definitely reflect that type of relationship. Okay. So is it like your almost like your attachment style can influence? That can be. Yeah, that's a way to think about it. Yes. Can you break it down into like super layman's terms? So if somebody is Googling. What are they typing in to find you? Mm, That's actually a really good question because I'm still figuring that out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But a lot of times it looks like, why am I bad with money? Mm -hmm. Because it, and that, I'll break that down. (laughs) Okay. So that typically comes from an internalized belief that we were handed from society or from our caregivers, somebody that, Being good with money equals something. Typically, it means having a lot of money or making Mm -hmm. a lot of money or not having debt, for example. Mm -hmm. And so you're equating your self-value, like who you are as a person, whether you're good or bad, with the fact that your financial situation is in some sort of that you have debt or that you maybe feel like you should have a better job or, you know, so so on, so forth. And so that's an internalized personalization of that belief. And it comes out as, why am I bad with money? Oh, bad and good. Yes. Because money is morally neutral. That's and it's a my tool. belief. Correct. And so you're working with people to really dig deep into why they are, how they are with money and how they view it. Yes. I view money as a mirror, actually. And a little bit of a of a megaphone, but mostly a mirror. So I'll explain that. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of times your financial behaviors reflect kind of what's going on inside of you, your beliefs. Mm. For example, if you struggle with emotional spending, 
it's even in the name, but it's because you have an emotional need that's not being met. It's not because you're a bad person. It's because you have you're you're struggling with loneliness. I, I know a lot of people coming out of COVID, we spent a lot of money online or, you know, elsewhere just to try to fill that emotional need, right? Mm-hmm. Or or, you know, different examples of that, but it's a mirror of what's what's happening inside of you. Also, it can be an kind of an amplifier, if you will, meaning that I I do hold the belief that more money is morally neutral. And it's just, it amplifies who you are. So in our current society, I would argue that most of the people who hold the most amount of money are not great people mm-hmm. and hold really great altruistic values. And so you see that amplified by the amount of money that they hold. However, you can also find people who hold a lot of money who do have really great values, and that's amplified. Yeah. And they're so generous with that money and what they can do because money brings power in a lot of instances. So, yeah, yeah, what do you do with that? Okay. But it's not the money, it's your core values. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay. So just so for everyone that's listening, because financial therapy is new for me. I hadn't heard of it before Mm -hmm. I met you, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so cool. This is so (laughs) needed. So just to clarify, you are not a financial planner. Correct. That is not what you do. Okay. Correct. Correct. Is there some dipping into finances and what it looks like for a client? Yes. So I do incorporate financial coaching. We look at the numbers. We pull up the spreadsheets, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. However, I it might be helpful to kind of delineate between what a financial planner does yeah. and then what a financial therapist does. Yes, please. So Simply put, a financial planner is the person who can help you make the plan. For example, a budget, a spending plan. I'm the person who helps you figure out why you struggle sticking to that plan or why you have overwhelming feelings about the budget. And we can delve into those emotions behind there. Yeah. Okay. You're the why and the what. (laughs) Yes. Financial planners are the how. Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's so cool. I have so many questions. So what is like the bulk of your work? When when you have clients, what do you find yourself working on the most? Mm. So I typically love to start with your money story mm. is what I call it. And actually, can I ask both of you just as an example <laughs> of kind of to give an example of maybe what a first Dipping your toe in. We won't do a full session. Don't sure, worry. Do <laughs> so your money story is basically how you grew up with money and then what beliefs you may have taken from your money story along the way. So I want each of you to just think back to a money memory of some sort when you were younger. Mm-hmm. It can be anything. Maybe it was a time when you f- remember feeling rich or when you remember feeling poor. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was like, because we didn't have a ton of money growing up, but my mom would take on extra jobs during the holidays. And I would literally walk out with like the Christmas tree. It's like presents stacked around the Christmas tree. My mom's half dead, right? Because she's been working for weeks and weeks and weeks. But 
this was the only opportunity and the excuse to then like really dive in mm-hmm. and money and spending was a reward mm-hmm. too. Okay. So as I grow older, I found myself like anytime I had any extra money, I was like, I'm going to treat myself. I'm not going to have it again. So yeah. then it was like an, a tied to an emotion, like you said, emotional spending. Yeah. So that would be an example of a money script mm. or the belief often subconscious, right? That affects the way that you spend your money or that you interact with your money, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So in this case, it's money can be spent to reward yourself or to treat yourself. Mm -hmm. A lot. A lot. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess I'll talk about the treating yourself part. I very quickly, I think coming from an immigrant background, money is you save it. You save it, save it, save it because you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Yes. And debt is a big no-no. And in this country, if you don't have any debt or you can't, you don't show a history of debt and paying that off, you have no credit, right? right. Mm-hmm. And that's bad credit. When right. you don't have credit, you have bad credit. Right. So that was something I had to wrap my head around. But as far as like treating yourself, I'll tell my apple juice story. <laughs> so this was many years ago. I'm a full-grown adult at this point, but I grew up with this. You save it. You only buy the things that you need and you never know when you need to tap into your safety net, right? Mm -hmm. So I was in the grocery store and I'm shopping for my essentials and I see this little tiny, probably four to six ounces glass bottle of organic cold pressed raw apple juice. I didn't need it, but I wanted it. Mm -hmm. Something about that apple juice that day said, get this. And of course, it was like six, seven dollars for what? Right. Less than a cup of coffee. Right. And in my head, I was like, you don't need this, Sonia. You don't need this. But I also wanted it. Mm -hmm. And so I purchased it. Best apple juice I've ever tasted in my life. (laughs) And it was a moment of me saying, I don't need this, but I can afford it and it's not going to break the bank and I'm not dipping into my safety net. It is a small purchase that brought me immense joy. Yeah. And I was also not uncomfortable with spending that money on that apple juice. Yeah. Whereas before I would have been completely uncomfortable and felt guilt and shame. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a treat. It's not a necessity. Right. Mm-hmm. And just doing that, it made me feel secure in my financial standing. Yeah. Like, I can do this and I'm okay. I'm intentional Mm -hmm. and I can afford. I can afford this and still make wise financial decisions. And I haven't purchased it since. It was a (laughs) one-time thing, but it felt so good. Yeah. Yeah. That was a a joyful purchase. Yes. You were using your money to be able to celebrate life somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you talk about spending on joy. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about that. So historically, the personal finance space has been very rigid in the sense of very much along the lines of kind of what you were sharing, Sonia, of, you know, the rules, the do's, the don'ts, (laughs) you know, don't have debt, don't spend on things that you shouldn't, you know, until you reach a certain type of level you know that sort of thing well you hear it all the time yeah. like you can afford to buy a house if you don't have avocado toast exactly coffee. exactly and it's and it's really based in these shame tactics honestly when you really get down to it and so that's one of the reasons why i am very clear about practicing shame-free financial therapy <laughs> but 
along with that, our capitalistic society typically just, when you get down to the, the root of it, value equals productivity, mm. right? You need to have a result. You need to be able to see what you spent your money on, or it needs to be very tied to something tangible. You'd be mm-hmm. able to prove it and show it off. Right, right. Whereas a lot of a lot of life in general is lived outside of the tangible things, right? Like there's so many intangible things in life that have immense value, like joy, like pleasure, like imagination, creativity, beauty, right? The things that kind of fill out the, I I see it as kind of like a, a whole, you know, if our humanity is kind of this globe, I guess, like you've got kind of the the typical like masculine side of like the, you know, where personal finance has typically resided, right? Mm-hmm. Like the the very like tangible things, the results oriented, the very structural type of thing. But then also you've got this feminine side to humanity where the the more intangible things of life reside like the beauty like the creativity like the the joy and to me i'm i'm attempting to bring full humanity back into full personal finance bust the binary of finance (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's far more fluid than that right Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and one way of doing that is choosing to budget for and plan for the intangible but valuable things of life mm-hmm. to not discount what you actually want Correct. for what other people think you should have yes if somebody is out there thinking like oh this sounds interesting i might need this mm-hmm. i might need help what would you say to them like how would they know that this would be beneficial for them sure so you typically don't need financial therapy right off the bat if you're just needing start with i would say start with kind of basic financial education if you didn't get that like most of us <laughs> in the millennial bucket for sure right Be good with money but um, we're not going to tell you how yes right exactly you're just supposed to <laughs> figure somehow it out figure it out yeah uh-huh. so start there there's so much free material great shame free material out there to just kind of dip your toe in to just like get yourself educated and literate around it while you're doing that or once you've kind of got a foundation of that if you're still noticing that you're feeling these overwhelming feelings around trying to interact with your money or that you do notice that you're that you keep falling back into kind of these old habits maybe of like overspending emotional spending getting into debt getting then getting out of it and then get right back in mm-hmm. those sorts of things which are very normal by the way mm-hmm. that would be best time to reach out to a financial therapist. So then are you finding that people that come to you, they're in like a transitional period in their life, divorce after maybe an illness or? Yeah, a lot of times I do notice, doesn't always have to be, but a lot of times I do notice that there has been kind of a a life event Mm -hmm. of some sort that has kind of brought all of this to the forefront, Mm -hmm. you know? getting pregnant, (laughs) um, having, you know, becoming parents, wanting to prepare for buying a house. Yeah. Or, or having some sort of a health, you know, having to navigate the healthcare system, which is, you know, one of the most stressful financial 
type of things that we can experience, unfortunately, in this country. But yeah, yeah, it's something something usually kind of brings that up to the forefront. Mm. Do you think it's helpful for somebody to pursue financial therapy after they've done their own more personal individual therapy? Do you do that at the same time? Yes to both. (laughs) Yes to both. (laughs) Yeah, I can be definitely a good kind of next step, I guess, once you've kind of develop some some skills you've has you have some tools in your toolbox already that then we can use and start applying specifically to your relationship with money yeah and how does working with you usually look like because we're basically familiar with like individual therapy you see right. on tv you talk <laughs> and whatnot but like how does the financial therapy differ not much really you know we meet weekly bi-weekly sessions typically Yeah, very similar to typical therapy, except I will say the one caveat is that it does tend to be a little bit more of a short term type of therapy Mm -hmm. in the sense of I've just noticed my clients and I usually have relationships or we work together between six months to a year. It just kind of on average, yeah, it just kind of ends up being within that time range. Do you find that there's more like concrete goals with the financial therapy? Typically or? there is. Okay. Yeah, good question. We we kind of have both, mm-hmm. honestly. I'll help you explore what does a healthy relationship with money mean to you? You know, let's try to identify some of those things. And then also, yes, what are some financial goals, you know, that you actually do have? And then we'll kind of work on those as well. Like you said, it's giving somebody the tools to then move forward and and make decisions that are aligned with their core values. Correct. Yeah, not much different. So then are you going back, back, back into time, like childhood stuff? <laughs> because you, I think you and I, all three of us have talked about financial trauma. Mm-hmm. So how far back do you typically go with a client? Good question. So I don't force my clients to go back you know, further than they feel like they need to. However, I do typically find that there's a lot of a lot of information in our early years. Actually, Mm -hmm. behavioral finance experts have found that your core beliefs around money are typically formed by the age of eight. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Eight. Yeah. So whether or not we go all the way back there, can we can we'll mutually discover that but but yeah financial traumas can definitely happen along the way as well mm-hmm. well and sometimes we need to park there first mm-hmm. yeah and get you know and work that out first tell me more about what financial trauma can look like so it's it's very much along the lines of general trauma so if you think of it can it can be a one-time event like a car accident which i think we call big t trauma mm-hmm. in the industry right or it can be just kind of a a longer time period of just unhealthy interactions with with it and which is kind of more the little t trauma so a bigger t trauma or one-time event could be something along the lines of like i've had a, a client share with me that she found she got laid off suddenly and without warning when she was six months pregnant. Oh, Ooh. yeah. Life change. Yeah. And a very vulnerable time. In a very vulnerable time. Yeah. And then something like, you know, more of like an ongoing type of trauma that that I've seen could be growing up in poverty, mm-hmm. like having a very real 
experience with scarcity, not having enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's everywhere. It is everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's not yeah. only like, like you said, the big T traumas, like the, the one event, the acute event that you can say that really messed me up. Mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. the continual messaging from yeah. parents, the mm-hmm. community, those around you, just like you were talking about, like mm-hmm. the safety and security, Sonia. Mm-hmm. It, it's so interesting. And I'm so glad that we met because I'm like, yeah, everybody has challenges with money. Everybody's struggling and you just learn to deal with it and figure it out as you go. But then you're realizing that you're explaining to like people who are far older than you what actually credit means. So nobody really knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't actually talk about it. Right. It's such a taboo topic. It's such it's a taboo such a, topic. It, it's death, sex, and money. Yes. There you That's go. Another <laughs> podcast is great. Yeah. yeah. I know in my yes. community, you you never ask like how much Mm-mm. is your house worth oh, or like no, how no, much no. do you get paid? Like you just don't talk about money, whether you have a lot of it or whether mm-hmm. you have not so much. Right. You just leave it alone. Yes. It's a, don't worry about it. Yeah. But then you're like, but where does it come from? How do I get it? How do right. I manage it? Yeah. Right. Help me. Because yeah. at the end of the day, yes, money is not everything, but we do need it it's to survive. Yeah. You need it yeah. to pay for shelter or food yeah. or how to get to work. I mean, you have to have money in order to get to work, mm-hmm. whether it's buying a bus ticket or paying your gas. Unfortunately, right. it costs money to walk out. The yeah. It costs money to stay in the door. Yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest, to, to breathe and wake up every day costs money. Yeah. yeah. Nothing, nothing is free in this world. Yeah. So will your clients, have you noticed, are they in like, because sometimes we think of, you know, financial planning. It's that's a that's a rich person's thing. That's mm-hmm. a point of privilege. So what kind of backgrounds do your clients tend to come from that are searching this out? Kind of the full spectrum, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've i worked with clients who have had, have experienced being unhoused, have experienced, you know, living in poverty. I also have worked with clients who make, you know, seven figures as well. It really, it, one of my friends who's also a financial therapist always says, it's never about the money. Uh-huh. Affair. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's never actually about the money. Yeah. I I Because if it was just about the money, financial planning would be, would be fine enough. for everybody. Yeah. Yes, exactly. There wouldn't yeah. We would all be doing it all the time and we would have no issues. Uh-huh. Right. Because the information is there for yeah. free. You know, you Google, how do I make a budget? How do I invest? You can find it. Yeah. It's just everything that you bring with you. Yeah. That is what you're working with. Correct. All the background, all the trauma, all the successes, yes. quote unquote failures, all of that. Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. so great. <laughs> and I feel like it's so exciting to to know that if this is something that you're struggling with, there's someone out there to mm-hmm. help you and guide you and support you through that. Mm-hmm. There's a niche for everyone. There is a niche for everyone. It's great. I don't think we actually talked about what brought you into financial therapy. How did you get here? Sure. What so, made it like, this is what I want to do? My my passion is to bring humanity back into personal finances, as I've mentioned. My story definitely brought me here. I was raised in a in the South, in Georgia. Very proud of that fact, but that comes with a mixed bag (laughs) of it being very traditional as far as gender roles and expectations of women. And 
I was also raised in a high controller religion where it was extremely patriarchal and yeah, I was not given the, I was not taught to have agency over my life in, 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 in pretty much any capacity. It was more of a reactionary type of energy mm-hmm. of I was waiting to be chosen by a man. I was waiting for life to be given to me, you know, type of thing. Other people are taking care of that for me, <laughs> mainly men. <laughs> I got out of that. I married a feminist and it became this very much a life development, self-development type of thing of figuring out, okay, now that I do have agency over my life, how do I do that? And I found out that finances were a big part of that, as we mentioned, right? Mm -hmm. Through my kind of hopping around through lots of different jobs along the way, one theme really kept coming up was the lack of empowerment that women had around money. Really, I worked with small business owners for a while. I was a personal assistant to someone who was in an MLM, which are highly problematic, by the way. Unfortunately, not the people in them. And the, MLMs the structures. are multi-level marketing. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. I worked in a nursing home for a while and saw, you know, how the healthcare system and elder care can be so expensive and just the lack of safety net and just how finances and, you know, kind of. Yeah. And so it was it was at every intersection of life, how money was such an inherent part, an integral part of our lives. And also paired with that, the lack of agency that people, typically people in marginalized communities like women, people of color, people who you know, we're lower income kind of experience. And so that became my passion was to help empower people through healing their relationship with money. And so here I am. (laughs) What a journey. You've seen money in so many different aspects of life. And like we said, it touches everything and Mm -hmm. everyone in one way or another. Thank you for coming and sharing. Absolutely. It's Yeah. yeah. Like, like you said, Sonia, we even as therapists, we didn't know that financial therapy was actually a mm-hmm. thing until we met you. Yeah. So. It's it's fairly new, but it's growing. It's growing. <laughs> yeah. it's, uh, I mean, let's just be honest. We all need it. Yeah. At one point or another, because a lot of us don't have the foundation. I know mm-hmm. I didn't. Sure. And Same. it's been a big learning curve for mm-hmm. me. Yeah. And like the emotions tied up in that. Mm-hmm. Don't even get me started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but if, or get her started. Or get her started. We don't have enough time today. But if somebody is interested in working with you, asking you questions, or just connecting with you in general, where can you be found? Sure. So you can find me at my website, castillofinancialtherapy.com. Or you can also find me on Instagram at C underscore financial underscore therapy. Perfect, Haley. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you. you. It's lovely having you. Mental Break It Down is produced and edited by Sam and Sonia. Our logo was created by the amazing Art of Andoy. If you have any questions, comments, or have a topic you want discussed on the podcast, email us at mentalbreakitdown at gmail.com or connect with us on Instagram at mentalbreakitdown. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing said in this podcast constitutes personal or professional consultation, therapy, diagnosis, or creates a counselor-client relationship. It is not intended to provide medical or mental health advice. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts and guests are theirs alone. Thanks for listening. Bye!